umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and this is the week michigan versus michigan state we've been looking toward this game not only all season but since last season when the spartans came into michigan stadium and really uh, started the Michigan tailspin uh, in addition to COVID and everything else that was going on last year. So, Clint, here we are. The, the Wolverines head up to East Lansing to face the Spartans. How do you feel about this game? Well, I, first I wanted to acknowledge, you know, the the difference that, uh, you know, 365 days can make. Uh, for for lots of people and and for Michigan football as a program, right? Because the the game, this Michigan State game, on both years came on Halloween weekend. Last year it was Halloween proper on the thirty first, and uh, this year it's on the thirtieth. And both programs just look entirely different, um, you know, from from multiple dimensions. And obviously the records look a lot different. You know, but but most importantly, right? Last year, this was the second game of the season, and at this point for this season, we're talking about the eighth game of the season. So, just how far you know we've come as a as an entire community and as a state um, leading into this game, given that it falls on the same calendar weekend as it did last year. That's uh that's something that you kind of look back and, and wanted to put a marker in there to, to remind everybody that, you know, I'm glad that we are where we are this year as opposed to, to last year, regardless of what color you wear. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. You know, last year, uh, you know, again, we were in the still had the COVID shadow hanging over everything. You know, the season was was just a, a shell of, of what we would have liked. And forget what happened on the field, just the whole thing of fans not being in the stadiums and some players opting to sit out for, for good reasons. Just last year was wrong on so many levels. And now with, uh, with the vaccines and other things, and um, it finally appears that we're at the end of the tunnel, knock on wood. And what a, a, a better indication, what a, what a great thing to look forward to than this matchup between two undefeated teams that I don't think anyone could have foreseen prior to this season. Yeah, I mean, even the most partisan, you know, fans on either side, and you, you and I are certainly way to the partisan side on, on a Michigan from a Michigan fan standpoint. And even you and I were were considered super optimistic, and we thought five and two probably at this point in the season. So um, you, you couldn't get either any individual to think that their team would be at this point. And there's no way anybody nationally or locally would have, would have ever guessed that both teams w- would be undefeated um, and, and coming into this matchup. And, uh, but here we are and it's, uh, it's legit. I think both teams are, are, are very solid and have strengths that they can lean on and enough to scare anybody else in the big den, including, you know, the, the top of the mountain there. So, 
there there are legitimate uh, you know positioning and, and and elbowing going on right now to see who's going to be uh, who's going to have the inside track and in, in challenging Ohio State for the for the Big Ten East. And uh, I think this game is is huge every year because of the rivalry. And this year, it has probably you know. For, for all intents and purposes, kind of supplanted what we would have thought maybe the Penn State game would be um, when we were looking in the preseason, that, that maybe both teams were going to be trying to elbow elbow their way into you know challenging uh, the Buckeyes. And, and now it's pretty clear that this is the game, that it's kind of like a semifinal game almost um, to in terms of positioning yourself for the Big Ten East. And, and I was glad to hear Harbaugh, um, kind of mentioned directly that it, that it's it's kind of a playoff feel and an atmosphere at this point because you've you've been successful to this point in the season and your reward for that is that now you 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 have to continue winning because uh, a loss at this point in the season um, can be so detrimental to to trying to actually achieve the goals that you set out for yourself. You know, I thought it was interesting. It took some prompting. But as you said, uh, Coach Harbaugh himself even did it. Did reluctantly admit that this is going to be a huge game. Jim, do you all give yourself a moment to appreciate the uh, historical significance of this game in terms of they've never been seven and zero. It's your lifetime. These teams haven't been ranked like this when they've met. Can you give yourself a moment at all to appreciate that? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean. Uh, Obviously, the kind of questions that answer themselves. Um, but huge game for us. We're uh, very excited about it. Ready to get to practice today and and roll. Do you still think there is some sort of elevation in a week like MSU? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely um, you know, there's there's the approach of you know one game at a time that um, you know which which you need to do. I mean, you you have to do that and you have to practice that and has to be in, implemented lest, lest a team be painfully humbled. Um, you know, now we're in a, we're in a situation, huge game. It's a, uh, um, some ways that, that mindset's similar, but in other ways it, it uh, definitely gets turned up a notch. Uh, a big win coming up, if that takes place, how will that change the energy with the team, you know, as going all the way to the top. It, w- it would help, you know, for sure. I mean, this, yeah, sure would give it a boost, you know. A big boost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you talk about all the, 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 yeah, win the conference, win the national championship. Yeah, you, it's, it's one of those, it's an elimination mindset. Yeah, you got to, Playoff mindset at this point, so yeah, win this game, that'll help your chances. So the thing is, Clint, I think, you know, and I'm going to take my Michigan hat off for a second, which is very difficult to do, but I have to tip my hat to Mel Tucker, uh, Michigan State head coach, because looking at the state of the program when he took over, I don't think anyone could have um, foreseen that he would have the program where it is right now, undefeated, 
Um, he's even getting some, you know, his name is being thrown around as some other openings, uh, you know, appear across the, the college landscape. But it, again, I, I, you know, as much as, you know, I don't like Michigan State, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay admitting that. I have to admit they're way ahead of schedule and you have to tip your hat. So the, the thing that um, I think that, that we're seeing for both of these teams is that, you know, we've talked about all year, you know, we expected Washington to be a bigger test. We expected Wisconsin to be a bigger test. And I mentioned those two games because those are the two games I thought in in uh, expectations, I thought Michigan had a good chance of, of losing, you know, heading into this schedule. So those teams weren't what we expected. Michigan came on top. They're undefeated. I don't think... You know, as you mentioned, I don't think anybody anticipated Michigan to be undefeated. I don't think very many people anticipated Michigan State to be undefeated. And yet both teams, I think, have serious questions on how good they are. And I think the interesting thing about this game is there are mirrored um, mirrored conclusions on both sides that will be made from this game. This is the game that will prove to one or the other how good they are or they aren't. And, and it, it's interesting for me because, you know, I like to talk about, you know, quarter season checkpoints, right? This is a major test. This is a major checkpoint. And there won't be excuses for either team um, after what after we see what happens on Saturday. No, and from, from Michigan's standpoint, you know, the, the, the biggest question, I think, is is – one that had been answered, you know, in a different flavor earlier in the season is can can this team go on the road and stand up in the face of a hostile crowd and and fight through adversity? So, having done that in Madison against Wisconsin, who uh, quietly right they were one and three after that game with Michigan, and they've won three games in a row, and may may be edging on the inside track to win the Big Ten West again. Um, you know, that Wisconsin game on the road and then followed immediately by the, the road game at Nebraska um, where both both of those situations, Michigan had to deal with some level of adversity, right? And now you're going to have that same in concept right now. As soon as you, as soon as you get, as soon as the bus, you know, is closer to East Lansing than it is to Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan's going to understand that that adversity, um, so it'll be it'll be ratcheted up in intensity, but it's going to be a similar task to what uh, what we saw uh, against Wisconsin and against Nebraska. I think, in some ways, I would think of this as as kind of taking Nebraska's offense and Wisconsin's defense and putting them together, and that's that's pretty close to to what you're dealing with here um, against Michigan State. Um, with uh, with a couple differences that uh, that Michigan should be able to exploit, I think if they play a, a clean game and can do what they do well without uh, without making big mistakes. So the thing that I'm looking for is, will this be the game that Michigan will have to throw downfield? And I think that is the question for me, right? Because on one hand, if Michigan can come out and control the line of scrimmage and um, maintain, you know, own the clock, right? If they can run, 
if it's boom and zoom, right? If it's the Hassan Haskins and um, Blake Corum show, then I think Michigan will win, and I think they they can win decisively. The question is, can the Spartan defense contain the run and force Michigan to need to throw the ball downfield and test Cade McNamara? And and frankly, if I was dialing up the game plan for Michigan State, that's what I that's what I think I would do. And frankly, I think that's what they're going to do. And it and it will be interesting. You know, one of the things I thought was really great in your um, by the numbers article is, you know, you acknowledge, listen, this game is going to pivot on the line of scrimmage as it does every game, but particularly this game, right? Um, you know, Michigan has had a couple offensive linemen out last week, and thankfully they have a lot of depth on the offensive line. But if they're going to be back healthy and if, if those guys can dominate the line of scrimmage and allow it to be a a running day then i think i think michigan could win rather handily but you know you have a real good defense on the spartan side and i think that uh they're gonna they're gonna try to prevent that half from happening and and again you know there's there's a lot of things you know there's a reason they play the game you know you can't just look at the stats but man there's a lot of questions on both sides heading into saturday yeah, I I don't have any reason to believe that Michigan State will be more successful against the Wolverines' run attack than Wisconsin, right? I mean, Wisconsin, on the SP Plus metrics, Wisconsin has climbed all the way to the number one defense, even passing Georgia, and that's a death star of a defense in Athens, Georgia. So what Wisconsin is doing defensively is, you know, as high as close to elite or at the highest tier that is available whether you think that they are belong ahead of georgia or not um is kind of semantics when we're talking about michigan still was was very capable of running their base run strategies right and and leveraging the the tight ends um pulling across the formation creating just enough space for uh, Blake Corum to threaten, right, uh, to, to take the ball to the house, but also to give enough space for Hassan Haskins to turn four-yard runs into six-yard runs and keep the chains moving. And, and Josh Gaddis has shown that what he was saying uh, leading into this season, that leaning on your offensive line and your running backs, the strengths of this offensive unit, leaning on them as the core of your identity uh, has been extremely valuable. We know what this team is going to do. The other teams that they play know what this team is going to do, and they've been able to execute anyway against defenses that are very, very strong. So, you know, past performance does not necessarily guarantee future results. However, I I have full confidence that Michigan will be able to execute their base run strategies, the blocking strategies that have proven to be successful to this point and and keep at least a, a moderate level of success rate against that. And, and I don't think that Michigan State is going to totally overload the box and and single up the coverage on the outside. I, I just don't think that that's what Mel Tucker and his defensive staff want to do. 
I think that they're going to, you know, they're going to try to be creative and create problems in the blocking scheme, but I don't think that they're just going to dump eight guys into the box and, and sell out against the run on a, on, on a full out basis. So what I put in my article then is that there's going to be a handful of opportunities where Josh Gaddis will be able to predict that Michigan state is going to sell out against the run on individual plays throughout the game. And he's going to dial up an opportunity to, to throw the ball down the field. And I think, again, if you think back to the Nebraska game, there were some downfield shots that got missed. And then finally, Mikey Sainer still lays out and catches one um, and sets him up uh, with a red zone opportunity. We have to make – in order for Michigan's game plan to work the way that they want it, we're going to have to be efficient on those downfield shots. And I actually think rather than totally blowing the top off of the defense and, and throwing the ball 40 yards down the field, this may look more similar to – uh, the first half against Rutgers, when we see some of those speedy guys working the inside of the defense behind the linebackers on those on those deep in routes, right? About 12 to 16 yards down the field, coming across the middle, trying to, to catch the linebackers um, as they may be cheating forward. Because I just don't think that Michigan State is going to cheat those safeties all the way up like some other teams have. I think the... The opportunities in this game will be behind the linebackers, but in front of the safeties. And look for Roman Wilson and AJ Henning and Mike Sainer still, um, hopefully running free through space uh, in the middle of the defense. And uh, if McNamara can hit them in stride and let them keep running, then Michigan's got uh, a chance to make some big plays, and that will complement. Uh, the running the running game is going to be solid, but we're going to need that extra dimension to uh, to get the thirty points, and I think thirty points wins the game. See, one of the interesting things when I look at this is if Michigan can control the time of possession, if they can run the way they have, I think it puts a pressure on the Spartan offense to do some things, to take some risks that the Michigan defense may be able to exploit and, and get some turnovers. And I think, you know, we, we've we've talked this season about a little bit of frustration that we haven't seen as many turnovers by the defense that we would like. And, and a lot of that is, is just, you know, it, you know, opportunities, time and place. And usually by the end of the season, things start to even out and you see the number of turnovers that you'd expect. I'm, I'm expecting the defense to get some turnovers and I'm hoping that, um, you know, in a weird way, I think the pressure here is more on the Spartans at home because expectations are so sky high for them right now in East Lansing. Um, You know, they started last year with that, you know, going into Michigan Stadium and, and, and shocking, you know, Ann Arbor. I wouldn't say they shocked the world, but they definitely shocked Ann Arbor. And I would say that they have Michigan's attention. They had their attention ever since that game. And, you know, you know, after the game last week, um, one of the players said, you know, tried to get baited into saying something about the Spartans. And he said, well, you know, we, we see our opponents as faceless and nameless. And um, 
I think that's great because you don't want to generate bulletin board material, but I don't believe it for a second. I don't believe it for this game, and I think that this is a chance for the Michigan defense to make a statement to show that, um, you know, there were a lot of Don Brown fans in Ann Arbor, and, and again, rightfully so. He's a good coach, but, um, you know, it was pretty obvious that there was a, a tiring among the defensive players about Don Brown's techniques and about his approach to the game. And I think that, um, you know, not only do you want, do you have the new coaches wanting to prove themselves, but you want the players, you know, the, the defense didn't look that good last year. And I think that they took it personally when, um, you know, because Don Brown had been so successful as a coach that a lot of the attention is, well, it's not the coach, it's the players. Well, a lot of these players are the same. They want to show that they can get it done. And I think that this is going to be that opportunity to make a statement that not only do um, are they good enough to play defense, not only are they among one of the top defenses in the state and hopefully in the country, but you know they want to put some, something on tape to show that uh, they're ready for the next level. And I think that this defense and this game gives them that opportunity. And I think that um, you can sense it in, in what the players are saying. Um, I, I, I think that I think they have a chip on their shoulder. And I think that uh, Saturday we're going to see that those chips cashed in. Well, I, I hope so. I certainly hope so. And I, I, I can see that certainly being the case. I think defensively, um, everything starts with whether you can bottle up uh, Kenneth Walker, um, the transfer running back. You know, he, he's a legitimate Heisman contender. Uh, he's he's the headliner on that offense, but also similar to how Michigan's run game is the core uh, of the whole offensive strategy um, for Michigan State. They also you know, have their, their run game at the core of their strategy. They just choose to counterpunch a little bit differently because they've got some, some big playmakers on the outside also with, uh, with Jaden Reed and, and Jalen Naylor um, going down the field. So defensively, I think that Michigan's defensive front, and specifically the D-line, and, and based on what I've seen from Michigan State, I, I they've gotten away from a lot of the – heavy pro sets similar to what Harbaugh liked and what uh, Mark D'Antonio liked offensively with extra offensive linemen and multiple tight ends. I I don't expect to see that much from the Spartans anymore. They stay pretty much spread out and want to try to challenge you to tackle well in space. And that's why Kenneth Walker has been uh, supremely successful is he is extremely elusive and also runs through and falls forward. He's he's somewhat of a a combination of what we have praised about Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins. Kenneth Walker is a really solid combination of both of those skill sets. He he certainly has enough wiggle to make guys miss, but he almost always gets a yard or two contact. So their their strategy is about spreading you out to make you cover the entire field and then challenge you, challenging your front to make tackles on Kenneth Walker in space. Now, luckily, or, or 
you know, it's a good thing for Michigan that to this point in the season, they've been a really solid tackling team, right? So especially the front, uh, the linebackers, when they've, when they've made contact, the, the tackle gets made at that spot. So I think it's a huge where Kenneth Walker first takes contact when he has the ball is, is what I would suggest people to keep an eye on. If he's getting hit first at the line of scrimmage or within a yard or two of the line of scrimmage, then Michigan is doing well. If he can get through the, the defensive line and the first contact is in at the linebacker level or in the secondary, then even if they're tackling him for those six or seven or eight yards, he's on the precipice of breaking a big one because he's going to make people miss on Saturday. What, what Michigan needs to make happen is those broken tackles have to happen in tight windows at the line of scrimmage while you've still got 10 other Wolverines to help gang tackle at that point. So where he first gets, uh, gets hit is going to be a big deal um, and, and a real quick visual measuring stick for how well the defense is playing. And then outside, I think – it's got to be the biggest turnaround in one year that, that we've ever seen potentially for, uh, for one quarterback or for one position group, right? That the corners for Michigan last year, that was the low point of their careers was that Michigan State game. A, uh, a quarterback who lost his job the week after that game throwing to a receiver who's, who's not even actively on the roster right now for Michigan State um, repeatedly over and over again is, is the stuff of nightmares, right? So how those guys play and how Mike McDonald can change his, his coverage schemes or disguise his coverage schemes to try to confuse Peyton Thorne is, is really the, the other big piece of the, the defensive strategy. So you need your front to tackle well in space and rally to the ball, and then there has to be measured aggression with uh, the guys on the outside and allow if you allow Michigan State to make maybe two or three chunk plays that are somewhere between 20 and 30 yards in in their size then you're going to be successful if they start to break 40 and 50 yarders and take them to the house and do it multiple times then they can keep that momentum rolling and really turn into quite a juggernaut on offense so if, if Michigan keeps the ball inside in the run game, right, keep making Kenneth Walker cut back to the inside where you have more tacklers and then keep the ball in front of you in the defensive backfield. Don't let anything go over to the top of your head, both safeties and corners. Um, if that's happening, then, then Michigan's going to be fine. So, Clint, when you look at the SB+, Plus, what does it project for this game? You know, it's got a, like three or four weeks consecutively that the uh, Vegas line ends up landing really close to what the SP Plus model projects. Um, and it's the same this week. So at the last, I think Michigan opened as a four-point favorite when I recorded it on Sunday. And at the last time I saw it was four-and-a-half-point uh, favorite for Michigan. Um, the SP Plus predicts Michigan to win by three-and-a-half. So... Um, technically the SP plus model says that it's, it's almost a push, but if you had to pick one, they think that 
take the points and, and Michigan State will uh, will cover the four and a half, but still picks Michigan to win the game. I personally, there, there's there's a lot of landmines to avoid, right? Michigan State is very very capable of dictating how this game goes, but if Michigan plays to its strengths and avoids major mistakes on the road and can keep their head on straight and and avoid penalties also on the outside with those defensive backs, then I think Michigan's going to win somewhere by around about 10 points. I think, like I said, the first team to get to 30 points is going to win. And, and I wrote in my article, I think Michigan wins 31 to 21. Um, a couple big plays in there for the Spartans, uh, but I, I still see Michigan as being able to move the ball effectively, continue moving the chains, and make just enough big plays and key moments to win the game. So preseason, not expecting Michigan State to be as good as they are right now. I had predicted uh, a 38-17 victory for Michigan. And, you know, I'm still going to go 34-20 Michigan. And the main reason is that I believe that we will see Michigan control the clock, and I'm expecting boom and zoom to uh, to dominate the day. And and I think that's um, – I don't think and, – and, and, you know, this is kind of like my big statement for the game. We have seen the Michigan running attack look really good this year. I think our signs are pointing to their very best game up in East Lansing on Saturday. So that's that's what I think. I think that um, Michigan's going to control the line of scrimmage, and I think that um, we will see both running backs um, break the hundred yard mark. And I, I'm looking for a good day. So, so the question for you is: Okay, so we've talked about what we think is going to happen. Um, you know, we have a lot of people listening, especially here in the state, who are Sparty fans. Um, if you were, you know, we've watched Michigan. What would you do if you were Michigan State to to attack the Michigan side? Like, what would you do? And I, and I think the question I have, what I'm really, you know, putting to you is, so do you think, um, you know, how do we envision um, J.J. getting into the game? And if you're Michigan State... Do you do? How do you game plan for that? Well, yeah, those are those are two two things that are related, but but certainly different uh, answers. So, I'll start with if I was if I was Michigan State, the the first thing that you want to do to create problems for Michigan that we've seen um, is offensively, Michigan State will want to change the way that they align those receivers and their tight end to try to cause uh, Michigan to line up improperly. So some of the problems that Michigan had against Nebraska, certainly, but also against uh, Rutgers when when they were struggling against that uh, inverted veer and, and the running quarterback, changing the way that you line up, changing the way that uh, Michigan then would have to align to that front. Um, Michigan has shown that they scramble sometimes defensively to try to get lined up, and you can catch them either out of position or not quite set 
in the position that they're supposed to supposed to be in. So that's having watched all of Michigan snaps on the season. If I was uh, on the Michigan State side, I would be trying to vary the way that I line up and shift and motion to get Michigan to misalign. And then on top of that, I would add uh, a bit of tempo where once once they're starting to scramble, I would then speed up and, and eliminate the huddle and, and, and try to keep them flipping sides and making verbal calls instead of, of being able to just pin their ears back and try to attack. So, And, and both of those things are, are certainly uh, within the realm uh, of possibility for Michigan State to do. We've seen them do a little bit of up-tempo. They certainly um, are not the, the plotting power attack of the D'Antonio era. So I do expect to see tempo. Uh, Michigan has to be sound in the way that they line up. But that's that's where I would start um, attacking this Michigan defense. And when Michigan's on offense, where do I think that we'll see J.J.? I Number one, J.J.'s biggest value to this offense is the fact that he's a, a significant and a legitimate running threat, and he can punish a defensive end that just turns the corner and chases the running back. Now, Michigan has done a couple different things to this point to try to punish that defensive end when they cheat in and try to help on Corum and Haskins, right? That's where we've seen uh, we've seen Blake Corum uh, – just zip around a defensive end that's totally unblocked because Michigan was confident that they were going to pinch down. Uh, we've seen end arounds and jet sweeps to uh, a number of the different receivers. AJ Henning early in the season, uh, Andrew Anthony last week. Um, a Roman Wilson's another guy that, that is super fast that we've seen on end arounds. So that's another way that they try to punish defensive ends who are, are not staying outside for contained, but the, standard way that that offenses modern offenses are punishing that defensive end is you know the way that rich rodriguez would do it with read option so outside of the 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 split zone inside zone and outside zone standard runs that michigan has been very good on they try to account for that defensive end by making him responsible for the quarterback and we know that cade mcnamara only has a handful of legitimate read option carries. He's not very fast, and teams do not respect Cade McNamara at all when he's handing the ball off. So he carries out his fake, and you see the defensive end just blow right past him and, and try to help out on Corum and Haskins. When McCarthy's in the game, right, they are at least 50-50 to actually keep that ball around the edge. It's debatable whether they're doing a true read option um, because sometimes it seems like we give when he should have kept and, and vice versa. But McCarthy is certainly a threat to keep the ball and to run, and we saw that in a couple chunk runs against Northwestern. Now, if it was me, if I'm Josh Gaddis, and given the you know some of the other stuff that's going on in the game, I would think about putting McCarthy in for the first offensive snap and maybe even the first two offensive snaps to run this read option and make everybody think that you've made the quarterback switch that's been circling around on, in Michigan media and Michigan Twitterverse and uh, see if you can make Michigan State's defensive staff scramble 
to think that they've got to switch their game plan because McCarthy is the new quarterback and then eventually settle back into what we know that they're going to do. So I, I would I would think that you're going to see J.J. early, but the uh, the role that he plays is still going to be pretty similar where his main threat is is that read option and keeping the ball. I do hope that Gaddis pulls out at least one pass with McCarthy in the game that is built on that tendency, right? Because right now, J.J. comes in the game, everybody in the world expects it to be a zone read, right? And I am hoping that they come up with one of the RPOs or, or play action that looks like zone read and then tries to take advantage of McCarthy's arm strength and, and hit the ball down the field. So that's a that's a lot, right? I don't know if that's exactly what you were asking, but um, those are things specifically that I think on both sides of the ball that, that we certainly could see this coming week. So if I wanted to pressure the Michigan defense, I would do it with tempo. And it's interesting. You, you pointed that out and I'm really surprised that we haven't seen it more often. Um, So again, I, I would expect that especially, um, you know, you know, any time is good. Right. But definitely right out of the gate and, you know, in both the first and third quarter, because it's one of those things where you have, uh, again, I, you see a lot of, like you said, flipping and flopping on the defensive side of the ball. I would go no huddle. I would not give Michigan a chance to change their personnel groups. And the other thing that I think we need to keep in mind here is it's going to be allowed, okay? So even with the players that they have in, and I'm talking about the Michigan defense, there's a lot of, of talking and signals and um, going back and forth, getting guys in the proper place. It's going to be allowed, okay? It's going to be difficult to do that. The pressure is going to be on. I would, I would do that with tempo, right? I would do it with tempo. I would force the, uh, the, the same 11 to stay in, and I would try to attack it that way. Um, and, and I think we're going to see that. Um, it's what I would do, and, and i got to believe that, you know, I – I, I, I'm not a, a football genius by any, by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that's how I, how I would attack it. And, you know, y- you stole my thunder a little bit on J.J. because what's interesting is that there's been so much talk about him running the ball. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I would cross him up, right? I would put him in there and, and have him heave one 50, 60 yards um, just to kind of stretch the the defense out um, because it, it is so predictable what he does, right? And one of the interesting things as I've been going through um, watching the Michigan offensive snaps, they have been leaving options on the table, okay? There have been options that they could take advantage, uh, you know, uh, wrinkles and plays they haven't been using. And I think this game might be the time to break some of those other options out. And um, I, I really like the idea of starting JJ. I think that would just um, cause a, a uh, I'm trying to imagine the outcry on Twitter of all the people who just knew JJ was going to be the starter someday, screaming in joy as, as he came out uh, under center uh, to start the game. 
And um, yeah, that that would be, boy, I would get a giggle out of that. Not only would it be interesting to see how it would impact the game, but just how it would reverberate through the uh, through social media when that happened. Um, you know, I, I gotta say, I feel good heading into this game, which which may be a bad sign. We will definitely have a lot to talk about afterwards, but um, I think this is going to be a huge opportunity. Again, uh, you know, I was really shocked at what happened last year. Um, you know, every dog has its day, and as you mentioned, uh, the Rocky Lombardi show uh, didn't have didn't run very long in East Lansing, but boy, it it sure uh, it sure had a, a big day in Ann Arbor. Um, but again, I think. The thing that um, the thing that's interesting to me is while I feel very confident about this game, it's not because I think Michigan State's not a good team. I think they're very solid. I just finally think, um, after you know a couple shaky seasons, that Michigan is on the right path. So I think um, this win has the potential to mean more than a great many, uh, than, than many of the other wins we've seen in the Harbaugh era. Um, so again, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to talking about it. Um, do you have any final words on the game, Clint? Well, I, I think that it's going to be a little bit white knuckled, right? I, I, if I had to make a comparison from the past, I would say this feels a lot like 2018. I think Michigan is the better team. I think Michigan State is certainly capable of winning the game. If both teams play solid, clean games, Michigan ends up in front. But things could get weird, and and like and they usually do in this rivalry game. So um, I do not expect it to be a comfortable, happy-go-lucky Saturday. Um, but I, I do believe that Michigan will will make the plays that are necessary uh, coming down the stretch to to win on the road. And that starts, as always, as I've tried to repeat over and over, it starts with your leadership, not the, not just the coaching staff, but the uh, the leaders that are in the locker room and making sure that uh, everybody starts focused and, and, and understands the task at hand, but also just stepping up in the moment and understanding that in those big moments, you need your best players to step up and make a play. And I think uh, guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Ross, Brad Hawkins, and Cade McNamara, Hassan Haskins, those those guys will uh, will understand that. They're the leaders on the team, and I expect one or, or multiple of those guys to step up in big moments in the fourth quarter. And uh, we should be uh, celebrating a victory when we talk about this on uh, Halloween night on Sunday. Well... I'm just hoping that I can safely escape East Lansing after a great big Michigan victory. So, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.